0: Reclaiming Identity, sharing stories of struggle, pride, and redemption in reconnecting with our heritage. Hi, I'm Dora, and I'm Dahlia, and we're bringing you Reclaiming Identity, as part of the ASF Institute of Jewish Experience. Do you feel a part of the Jewish story? Is your family what pops up when people think of Jews? At Reclaiming Identity, we celebrate and explore the greater Jewish experience. We encourage you to tell your story and take pride in your heritage as it is a part of your identity. Listen to other people's stories, ask questions, be curious, and reclaim reclaim your your identity. identity. Today we have the unique opportunity to gain insight into the Montreal Moroccan Jewish community while we speak with six members of the Lasserie clan. Professor of psychology Jean-Claude Lassery and his wife, Ariel Sabach Lassery, were both born in Morocco, where they had little Jewish education. They both became leaders within the Jewish Sephardic community in Montreal, and Professor Lassery was the founding president of Ecole Maimonide. Although each of them has a strong affinity to their Moroccan identity, they have unique implementations and approaches to the greater Jewish narrative. Aitan Lassery is the oldest. Today, he's living in Toronto where he teaches management at York University. Arielle Lassery moved with her family to Atlanta. Karen Uzan works for the Canadian government and is currently stationed in the UK. Johann Save is the fourth of the five children. Both he and Karine were born in Marseille. He currently lives with his family in Montreal. Aurelie Lassery is the youngest and lives with her family in Aventura, Florida. We hope you enjoy the different approaches to identity and the interaction amongst the siblings and their parents. We hope that you have been enjoying the first two seasons of Reclaiming Identity. Please do share the podcast with others and consider making a donation at instituteofjewishexperience.org.
1: Just to make it clear, I remarried in 1987 or seven, Eitan and Ariel, are uh, from my first marriage. And Karen and Johan are from Ariel's first marriage. And Aurélie, two plus two should be four. Within her case, two plus two is the third one, fifth, the five. And she is from both of us. And as Johan said in one of his recent email to you they are all brothers and sisters and not either step not either half because we never agreed to this separation and that's why they are all the five of them are my children and i really feel and i i i, I think they also think they are my children whether there are my biological children, or whether they are my psychological children. First of all, I'm Jean-Claude Maurice Lasserie. When I came to Canada, my name was Maurice Jean-Claude Lasry. Lasserie, by the way, in Arabic, in this case, means the izquierdo, the uh, lefty. No one in my family that I know of is a lefty, but still that's our name. When I arrived here, I worked like my father, who was a ladies hairdresser. I worked in his shop, in his beauty salon, I should say. And I changed, I thought Maurice was, uh, you will excuse me, too Jewish. Although it is really a French word because Maurice is really for Moishi. You said you arrived. You didn't say where you arrived from. Oh, uh, all right, thank you. Yes, we arrived in January 1957 in the thick of the winter in Montreal, and I wrote a little piece on this trip from the airport to where we went uh, to the first house we went in Montreal. But it was really in the winter, while we had left Morocco, we had spent five days in Paris, and then uh, we arrived in, in Montreal. And in those days, it was uh, the planes took twenty four hours. I was working Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in the beauty salon, and Monday and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I had four days of studying and I had uh, uh, organized everything that had to be learned for this year. I taught myself with the books that were available. And at the end of the year, I uh, passed the exam that all the students, not all the students, but those students that were going to the French college, I passed the same exam. I don't think I will have the same emotion that I had when I saw the results, but the results were by uh, grades and uh, I started by the worst one and going all the way. And I was, and I went all the way to the top and the first name on, on that list, which I kept was my own name as a, a student and a non-regular students. I want to, talk a little about my grandparents. From my father's side, we were Moroccan Toshavim, which means that uh, we've been there from generations and generations. But from my mother's side, my mother's side was born in Avignon in France. She was, her own father was born in Izmi in uh, Turkey he spoke Ladino and uh, my ma- mother knew Ladino, but uh, we never learned we they had expressions which gave me a certain inkling for spanish because Ladino has a uh, spanish uh, uh, a lot of spanish and hebrew of course in it i'm trying to get back to what i was saying about the Ladino and uh, about my grandfather who was himself born in Izmir and came to France, uh, where his five children were born. France, he came. Avignon was the city of the popes who were offering some safeguards to the Jews. And in Avignon, there was a Jewish community. And my my mother was born in Avignon. uh, her own mother died when she was young, so she raised her own brothers and sisters. And at about uh, the age of 20 or something like this, my grandfather came to, from Avignon, France, to Morocco to uh, rejoin his own brother, who was already settled in Morocco. And ha- that's how I came to be born in uh, Casablanca. I have to say that the war is something that I do remember. I even remember when an obus, a bomb, if you want to call it, it's not really a bomb. It was shot by, uh, by a boat. That this bomb went across the fifth floor, the little hut on the fifth floor of the building I was living into. It went and it hit the second building and it fell down on the floor, a shrapnel. Uh, uh, there was a big piece of this thing uh, that fell on the floor. And I remember going down with my father and my father taking uh, some uh, red uh, shirt and wiping my face so my blood would come back to my face because uh, the, 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 the thing was red, and he thought by doing this, the, 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 the blood would come back to my own face. And I, I, I remember uh, people saying, don't touch, don't touch, because it must have been still quite hot. This is one thing I remember. Another thing I remember, my, I don't think my children ever knew that. What it is to go to bed, hungry, because there were two eggs for six people.
0: So let me ask the rest of you. um, So you all grew up in Montreal then. I mean, even if you were born in other places, you all grew up in Montreal. Um, so when you grew up in Montreal, were you part of the greater Jewish community in Montreal? Did you have, were you separate?
2: Do you want to we make it had
0: parents that were very
3: involved in the Jewish community. So yeah. we had no choice but to be involved uh, in it. Um, we didn't, not all of us went to, I mean, we all went to the Sephardic Jewish school in high school, which is Maimonid, which I think shaped all of us to, uh, to, be, to feel Sephardic and to feel more than Jewish because I think it, it is linked to our Sephardic uh, roots and to have the will afterwards to, to pursue, and even if we're not all of us in Montreal, to still um, talk to our children, um, show our children and maintain some of the customs and habits that uh, that we were taught then by our parents and also by, uh, by the greater Jewish community. Uh, well, the Sephardic Jewish community mainly, I have to say.
2: One thing that we should specify is that um, Jean-Claude's uh, that we call Papiou today because of the 13 uh, grandchildren um, is, the, is one of the founder, founding presidents of uh, École Memunide. So uh, when obviously, you know, his two first children had no choice but to go there. And when we joined the family, Karen and I, we also transferred school. We were already in the Jewish school, but transferred to Ekal Mabid as well. It really, you know, uh, forged our, our education. Of above and beyond just being founder of the school, I think both our parents were very much involved in the Jewish community, uh, as we mentioned, with different roles in different uh, organizations. So we all went, aside from school, we all went to camps. Um, we, wa- we were all part of um, activities uh, after school or different programs. Were
0: they all within the Sephardi community or was it the full yes. Jewish?
2: Yeah, so so there's there's a background also in the Montreal Jewish community. Um, I don't know if we want to get into that more specifically, but um, uh, Ashkenazi and Sephardic differences that are probably less uh, obvious today, uh, but they were very much present in the past.
0: How did that manifest itself? The- well, how
2: mostly, did you feel it personally? We were we were just driven into it, uh, I think. But mostly, I would say uh, the language barrier between French, which was the the, the language spoken by Sephardics and still is uh, less and less, but still is, and the Ashkenazi community, which you know uh, was present in Montreal for probably more time uh, and has a greater history in Montreal than the uh, Sephardic community. So our, our parents' job or side job or involvement was really to give the Sephardic community uh, its place within the Jewish community and uh, not necessarily, that's how I, I see it, be driven because of the language barrier towards the French-Canadian secular uh, community and, and, and you know, be, be an integral part mm-hmm. of uh, the Jewish community.
1: We were in 1960s, late 60s in Montreal. If the children wanted, the Jewish children from Morocco, Francophones wanted to have a Jewish education, they had to get it in the Jewish day schools who were Anglophones. With a a group of friends, we created the French, the first, French-speaking Jewish State School in Montreal, which is Ecole Maimonide, named after the Rambam, and that's where all my kids went. I was the founding president of Ecole Maimonide. I came back in 1972. It was from 1969 the school was founded with 14 children. Today we have more than 700 or 800 children with elementary, kindergarten, elementary, and high school. And all my children went to this school. But this is for me, one way of reintegrating my own roots. So all
2: that to say, most of the Sephardic Jews in Montreal are from Moroccan origins. My biological father is actually uh, Algerian, but you know, whether you're Egyptian uh, Or Egyptian uh, roots, Lebanese, Moroccan, or any other. You're part of the uh, the uh, Sephardic community uh, first and foremost. So their involvement in the community, I think, led us a lot to be proud and to forge our values within that community. The school, obviously, which at some point I think growing up was also tricky because you know we tend to say you know we were born and raised in this micro-community in Montreal. And at some point at adolescence, you go to college, you go to CEGEP, you go to university and you're forced to open up to this society which you're not necessarily aware of because you've been growing up all the way through in this uh, micro-community. So it has its pros and cons, but definitely I would say
4: uh, it uh, made us stronger and prouder of uh, who we are today. So, yeah, echoing what uh, already what uh, Johan and uh, and Karen have been saying. And I think getting at what I think your your project is interested in, how we felt as a a community growing up as Sephardim and even more, I would say it was more specific. We felt very part of a not just Sephardic, even more Moroccan uh, type of heritage. And for, at least for myself, and I know even today, 30, 40 years later, speaking to friends who we grew up with, you know, at the time, our parents were recent immigrants to, to Montreal, so we did feel very different from the uh, rest of the Jewish community, the Ashkenazis, whose families had been in, uh, in Canada for a longer time who had established, who had more money, who spoke a different language, by and large. And so we did feel very, very separate and very different uh, than they did. And I do agree about, again, um, our parents' involvement in the community. But I I think it's impossible to understate how much being a part of uh, a Jewish school like Maimunid does to Ekon Maimunid to... Uh, who we are today and that feeling of of identity to this unique uh, community. Because I speak today and and we had two years ago, I think or three years ago, our 30 year uh, high school reunion. And these are people who by and large, we we were together from a young age till high school, till graduation. And we were all more or less the same. We participated in all the same activity. We're all part of the same uh, community. And we are friends today, there are people, if I, even if I don't see them for 20 years, I can see them again tomorrow. And it's like, we never left. In the last year and a half, uh, during COVID, as we're more connecting with people like this on Zoom, it's given us an opportunity. There have been people that have passed away in the last few years as well, that we've had a chance then to connect with some people in our community. And and I speak to people uh, of our age who, who are now parents and, and in different parts of the world. And we all share a very similar sentiment that we had a, in some sense, we had a very privileged childhood. We were very lucky to have been part of this uh, this group and this community where we were all together in in schools in camps and knew each other and had a very intimate relationship to each other. Our school was only about 200 kids. Uh, so everybody knew each other. Everybody knew each other's mostly families and parents and so on. And we were all kind of together and that persisted. And I think that I see it very different today, our children who also, our children who grew up in Toronto and who uh, we sent to camp, to a brit for example, in Montreal, in in New Quebec, in the Laurentians where my wife used to go as well, or other camps where we went. And today their kids, our kids, and the kids, uh, the Ashkenazi children, have much more in common. They're not the same because both of their parents were were born and raised in Canada, unlike our parents who were immigrants. And so we felt that difference. Our children, and just like any, I suppose, uh, immigration story, you know, eventually things, uh, uh, successive generations.
0: Those of you who are married here, did you all marry within the Moroccan community? Yeah, <laughs> Sephardic, definitely not. Often.
4: Yeah, pretty much. She's <laughs>
0: fighting enough Moroccan.
4: Well, I mean, Karen's close enough. Tunisian. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll okay, that's <laughs> kind of. We all ended up as well uh, marrying but, within the same community and continuing those those traditions. But you don't see your children doing the
0: same.
5: I was just gonna say that my now ten year old, um, maybe when he was five or six, said to me, "Mommy, when I grow up, where am I gonna meet a girl who speaks French?" Like he he kind of thought that that needed to be his path. Anyhow, first of all, I agree that the Sephardic school was instrumental in in not only shaping our identity, but in helping us locate our mates in life. You know, even though some of us did or did not, Yohan married, you know, his high school sweetheart, or maybe even grade school. You know, I married uh, one of Etan's closest friends who was a few years ahead of us and Nathan married the cousin of, you know, his classmate. That's the school. Um, So how much of that is identity? I think a big piece. I want to say one of the things I'm privileged about is, is really two things. The first is I blend in very well to the broader Ashkenazi Jewish community. And that's because I went to camp in English, I spoke in English, I had Ashkenazi friends. They welcomed me with open arms. Um, You're blonde and blue eyes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean blonde. Yeah, I need them peu de tattoo. We grew up in an English neighborhood. We we were born in an English neighborhood, and I went to camp in an English neighborhood. And you know, I have the privilege of carrying maybe a Canadian accent, but not necessarily a Sephardic thick accent.
0: Those friends that you said were Ashkenazi, did they know that you were
5: think They didn't care. We were young. And again, so what I'm thankful for is that I'm thankful that I was able to blend. That's number one. But number two, what I'm also privileged and thankful for is, I have to say, I, I don't feel that I have been discriminated upon for my Sephardism. Um, I wriggle, wear it proudly, when it comes up, but I've been given the opportunities that I feel others would have. You know, if I didn't marry the Ashkenazi, it's because I there was something missing. He couldn't be with my family and sing Charles Navu. You know, it was just, it was my choice, not because his parents wouldn't have me. I think that that's because I, you know, thanks to my parents and grandparents, and thanks to the school, we have a, a broad education as much as my Sephardic identity is, and that I'm now baking all sorts of uh, Moroccan cookies and cakes and sticking them in my freezer for my eldest bar mitzvah coming up in two weeks. Dafina, every Shabbat, and I live in Atlanta with a very small uh, Sephardic community. So, I mean, again, I think the two things I'm I'm grateful and thankful for are that I'm able to to uh spend time with Ashkenazis or Sephardim and I just I, I don't feel discriminated upon. I walk in 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 the path that has been trailed and blazed by my parents and grandparents. I'm not saying that the Gizanut doesn't still exist. I'm sure it does but I'm grateful to also have the kind of character that is strong enough not to let yourself be diminished by the comment. I mean, my husband always jokes, we were once at a wedding of an Ashkenazi friend and one of the moms who knew me as a, as a friend to their, to my, you know, other Jewish peers, never picked up on the fact that I was Sephardic, this mom. And she came to me and my husband and said, you know, Ariel, how is it being married to a Sephardic? And I said, fine, why? And she said, but don't you find it, you know, different or odd? And I said, but I'm Sephardic too. And she said, really, both sides? And, you know, my husband recounts this. I don't feel that that's that's offensive. It was a comment. She made it. She just wanted to know if a Sephardic person, man and an and, uh, Ashkenazi, whatever, if a mixed marriage would happen, how would that work out? So I, um, I can't say that I'm I'm a victim of this, this, this And and I'm grateful to my parents for having paved the way for our success.
6: I I would say so as well. I think I kind of agree with a lot that's been said. Um, I think that the school played such an instrumental piece in our upbringing, in forging our interactions. It really created who our network, our community was. I kind of geared a little bit sideways because I felt for a long time that we were too much, too together all the time. And then the moment that we expanded, it was almost this like, catalyst moment. Like, what do you mean there's an outside world with other people? Like, this is all we've ever known. This is crazy. And we were just very, you know, inbred, um, which I love because the moment that I moved to Miami, I realized that all of my friends and family that I consider here today are also expats. They're all Sephardic. We have, like, some, you know, blended in uh, Ashkenazi friends. And it's funny because the people that I initially clicked and connected with off the bat here are people that are from Montreal that are Sephardic Jews and Moroccan Jews that I maybe had heard of a name here or there. And the second I moved to Florida, I was like, oh, you're from Montreal, we have that initial bond, like you're Moroccan from Montreal, it's almost an unwritten rule, where it's like, you will come to my house for Shabbat, like, I will have your family over, there's no questions asked, it's, it's, there's a, a really, it's more than a bond, I think it, it's really, it becomes a part of your identity, and people respond to that. And I feel like, I mean, Karen would know this also, having traveled the world, I really feel like it's an unwritten rule that we have, being a Moroccan Jew from Montreal, wherever you find yourself. Already being a Canadian, people have that affinity. But when you have that distinction, there's just this little spark and this glimmer that happens when you find when you find that out from someone else. Um, and I also do you not that find that up. with the Ashkenazi from Canada. Um, you will, I think. There's always that that excitement. Also, if you're, you know, in a for me, for instance, if I'm in a work setting and I find out someone's Jewish I think we're three Jews in my company and I mean I was dancing up and down to find out that there was one that was taking off for Yom Kippur I was like I'm not the only one but add the roots and add the The traditions to that, I think it's a lot more impactful and it gives people a sense of identity and a sense of community and togetherness. So that's something that I know we forged here and that's something that I wanna give to my son as well. I think I I struggled with that identity piece for a long time. People would ask me, what are you? And I would say, "I'm, I'm a Moroccan Jew. And they're like, do you speak Arab? No. Have you been to Morocco? No. do you you know anything at all but my parents are born there and that's how i identify because i can't identify as a french canadian i'm not i can't identify just as a canadian i can't identify just as a moroccan so it's this like combination of a melting pot of how we would really define ourselves and it i think because everyone has defined themselves in that same pattern that's where we find affinities amongst each other and that's why I think we all kind of tend to stick together. That's why we all pretty much like married into, into the same thing. I also married someone that went to my school that I had known since I was maybe 16 years old. So it's just, it, it just comes in as a full circle.
3: I have to just to, to comment a bit about what Ariel said. I know, um, I think it her blending in, the, uh, the Sephardic and the Ashkenazi community ha- has to do with her own personality as well. She doesn't let anybody push her around. So she takes control of the situation, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but um, my... Bringing was a bit a bit different, maybe because I was uh, the eldest child of two, um, and I was a bit older when I came to my I only integrated my when I was in high school, and my interaction with the the Ashkenazi community was in the previous two years, where I was in an Ashkenazi Jewish school, um, elementary school. Which was odd at times, because that's the first time that I realized, actually in Montreal, was the first time I realized I was Jewish. When I was in a non-Jewish school for the first year when we immigrated, when I was told, you can't be Jewish and speak French at the same time, that's not possible. Um, You're either Jewish or Francophone, you can't be both. And I think I was seven or eight at that time and came back home feeling, who am I? somebody told me i can't be both but who am i then um, and my second acknowledgement of who i was as a sephardic was in uh, a nachmanji school where i always felt like i wasn't part necessarily of the whole class or the whole group because my i mean we weren't very religious at that time at home but the melodies that I had heard, the customs that we were having were very different from what my classmates had, although a lot of them were Sephardic as well. But there was a sense that it wasn't totally incorporated. We weren't all as one big family the same way we were afterwards in Maimonid. And I have stories of how I felt let down by, by the school, not necessarily because I was Sephardic, but because we weren't uh, following necessarily the right rules uh, at the time, which is not something that we would have felt in a, in a Sephardic environment. Um, so I have to say, yes, I that's when I had the realization that we were Sephardic, we were different. Mm-hmm. And Maimonides really, really helped in forging a sense of belonging to a whole community. And like Aurélie said, I've traveled a lot, part of my own profession, I'm, I'm working for the Canadian government, uh, has brought me to several places around the world. So we've lived in Latin America, we lived in Asia, uh, now in the, uh, in the UK, and more than just being Jewish, having the Jewish community to identify on, the Sephardic sense of it is even stronger. So we've been, for example, just here in, uh, in the UK, we're next to uh, an Ashkenazi congregation, But still, we still identify when we get to a new place as being North African descent. My husband is not Moroccan, but Tunisian. Um, And him being uh, also uh, a chazan helps us integrate the synagogue and showcase how our Sephardic heritage is a bonus and not necessarily feel as if we have uh, something less from the Ashkenazi community, but actually feel stronger. And that has to do with the upbringing from my parents and the belonging from uh, the sense of belonging from the school, which has forged our our, uh, our identity to be proud of who we are as uh, as the farting. And the only thing that I'm, I'm a bit more upset about is that I can't give my children, my own children, the same sound sense of belonging. So we try to compensate with other things, but them as being all over the world, they haven't been able to integrate Ekal Kalmykani the same way we have, and for me, that's that's a loss for them. I keep on telling them about our stories. My husband had something similar; he was also in a school with a very Jewish uh, Sephardic presence, not necessarily Jewish. So he was brought up as well with a sense of belonging the same way, and the lack of it to our children, for me, is a is is a big loss, which I try to compensate a lot. And I'm quite happy because both my eldest boys are now in Montreal, embracing this Jewish uh, Sephardic heritage as well. So I haven't done so bad, but at the same time, that's something that I feel that they are missing, but I'm thankful to, to have been able to, uh,
2: to live it. To, to me, that's a large part of why my wife and I chose to, to stay in Montreal, uh, to stay close to the family, to the grandparents, but also, to the Montreal Jewish, and Sephardic community, the school had some some play uh, in that decision when we were a young married couple we we had the opportunity to think about choosing to go and live a, a anywhere but ultimately, we decided to stay here and close to 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 the parents to where we we were comfortable to what we wanted to give our children, our daughters, um, uh, the same sense of belonging that uh, that we were um, able to have as well. What I wanted to say previously is uh, also, I think, you know, in the past 30 years, there's been a shift in demographics within the Jewish community in Montreal, more specifically, where the Sephardic community grew bigger and faster than the Ashkenazi, which is, I think, a decreasing community. So our weight is... Uh, also more impactful, and not to diminish the fact that it was extremely important to lay the foundations of, you know, our. our, our I'll go to as far as say our rights, <laughs> and and to what we as a Sephardic community needed to claim our parts in uh, in in the Jewish community as a whole. So. And, and that's again, the heritage that uh, Jean-Claude and my, my mom and you know uh, their friends, the first generation, the foundation of uh, what they, they wanted to, to, to offer us and their children and, and, and their, their grandchildren and so on and so forth. The other point I, I wanted to make is uh, working in the Montreal business community. I've seen also the shift uh, working, I've, I've worked with French Canadians, I've worked with Montreal Anglophones, I've worked in Jewish environments, non-Jewish environments. It was a pretty tough time explaining what you were and what your origins were because you know you you walk in and if you self-identify as a Jew, so they put all the Jews in the same kind of boat. But then what they know is probably the Jews from Outremont that are either ultra uh, Orthodox um, or the big donors or big businessmen that made it, who are more, uh, most of the time Ashkenazi, they don't really have a good sample or, or knowledge about who the Sephardics are. That's changed a lot in the, in the past years. The law firm in which I work with is now probably 15, 20% Jewish. And I would say that I'm not welcomed the same way and probably more with open arms than ever as a Sephardic within that clan at the office of the, Jew, uh, the Jewish clan. Because the Sephardics have a seat at the table now. They have impact. They have uh, credibility. They're respected much more than than in the past. So I think that's a key component. And the last thing I'll say, because I've jotted down some some points. So Montreal is very multicultural. And I would say that other communities have also had that same type of questioning where you'll run into Asians or Lebanese or Greeks who are third, second, third generation in Montreal. And they also self-identify as Greek or Italian or name it. They've never been to Italy. They've never been to Greece. They've never been to Lebanon. So it's easier today to claim your identity as a second, third generation of immigrants and have people understand what it is. Like Karen was saying, 15, 20, 30 years ago, people were just scratching their heads. And when you came from a reconstructed family, it was even worse now. It seems to be second nature. Oh, okay, so you self-identify as Moroccan, you're Jewish, you speak French, everyone's different in this world, and we just open uh, we o- open our arms to, to diversity. Uh, th- that's today in 2021, but it wasn't the case before. So I'll stop talking. And Orly, you
0: wanted to say
6: one more thing? Yeah, what I was just going to add to um, some of what was said before is I think that because there's probably less disparity today and the kids are less Sephardic versus Ashkenazi and people just blend better, is we were the children of first generation immigrants. And I think that that made a really big distinction in our upbringing. And I think that's something that was very ingrained in us and forged also. And I think that now as the generations go by, that's why I look at, you know, everyone's kids, like my own. I think it's going to be a very different, less black on white. You're Sephardic or I'm Ashkenaz, and we don't have the same traditions as opposed to just a larger blend. But I still think that it was an integral part of our upbringing. And I was always told, you know, that my daddy was very important my whole life. Um, I didn't want to be different. I didn't want people to look at me differently or to, you know, to think that I was all that. I take that from him a lot. He likes to, you know, keep his head low and just be very humble. And I love that about him. Um, But I was always told that he was an important man. And he was, and I don't think I really grasped what it was. I think I really grasped it once I left uh, Montreal.
4: I just want to agree and and echo that and say, yeah, that, that, you know, whether it's, you know, the fact of of the school, or as Yuan says as well, that, you know, things have changed uh, now with respect to diversity and how people perceive uh, different communities, especially in Canada, I should say Canada is probably different than other parts of the world with respect to diversity and multiculturalism. But at the time, you know, as Karen said, we we were searching for, you know, who are we, right? You people asked, well, are you Jewish, right? People would ask. And then, but when they heard you speak French in Quebec, people said, well, how can you be Jewish? You can't speak French and be Jewish, right? Pride in in this Sephardic uh, heritage because... We were all together. We we had we had numbers, right? We were all kids together in the same camp and so yeah, there was us and there was them and sometimes there were, we would play hockey with against them and there was another school next to ours that had you know, most of the Ashkenazi kids and sometimes we'd meet at lunch and there would be fights and it was us against them, but we we felt like we were, you know, we had strength. We didn't feel we were empowered. We didn't feel, you know, powerless, you know, fearful or we're just a minority. We felt like and that you know persisted and again today obviously the world has changed like like you are and everybody else says and i think that montreal for sure was a very very unique i think in the world karen has said it and, and you know we've been all over the world and, and you see that 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 bond that community uh that that we have in montreal no matter where you are in the world there's still that that strength and today again i'm part of an ashkenazi shul Uh, congregation, because it's the one near where I live. There's no Sephardic uh, synagogues, But yeah, all the friends that we have in Toronto, anywhere, are all mostly friends from Montreal that we grew up with, that we still, and our children and their children uh, are still together and, and share that same bond. And so even at the shul, it's it's that they love saying, oh, we have our Sephardic uh, people. So every year, for example, Yom Kippur, the rabbi calls on on, on me another uh, a part of the Sephardic uh, kehila to do the neila song El Novalina because they love it. They don't they don't sing that in Ashkenazi services. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, let's do. And they give everybody the paper with the with the words so they can all. And they love it. They love our food. They love our songs. They love everything now. They say, oh, they everybody wants to be like uh, Sephardim now. It seems so. It's uh, wonderful change.
2: I just need to make one more comment. As we're saying all this, and we're not suffering from any type of uh, differences, we're we're all, you know, going towards a a larger, greater, happy, blended community. But in no way do I feel there is a threat to the Sephardic identity uh, because the third generation doesn't feel those differences as much. Um au contraire, I think it is being embraced and we're learning things from, and we've learned so much from the Ashkenazi community. And I feel there's this openness where they also are learning from us, whether it's interested or not. It, I feel it's just a fact. So we're here, I'm here to make sure my kids get those traditions, uh, get that heritage. But I do not feel that's, it is a threat right now that we lose any piece of that, if not just to make it even more known and uh, take our part in that community even more so.
1: When I went back to do my studies at the university, I did on the adaptation of the Moroccan Jews in in quebec in montreal let's put it this way that was my first research project and it it was a big research project i had a team of six or seven uh assistants this is how i for me to 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 get rooted in what it was to be a jewish moroccan in montreal and you have to In those days, the Ashkenazim in in Montreal didn't even know. The Ashkenazim, who were 95% Anglophones, didn't know there was such a thing as a French-speaking Jew. And a French-Canadian, just the same. They didn't know French Canadians. There were Jews who were French-speaking and not only English-speaking. So this issue of culture was an important one for me since I spent my first research effort on that. When I was a student in psychology, I was very much impressed by a European psychologist who went to the States, to yeah somewhere in the States, and his name was Eric Erickson. Eric Erickson uh wrote many things about psychology but he wrote about the basic thing for him was identity and identity and this is a definition i've kept all my life Uh, it's a very short definition but it's uh I i found it very powerful identity is the sum of your previous Identifications. Who did you identify with during your life? And that's why identity is always evolving. It isn't static, like as I love to say, being an immigrant is a static status because it doesn't change. Not only doesn't change but it's even transmitted to your own children. My children, five of them are not born in Morocco or is some in France. Most of them feel, for some reasons that I don't understand, Moroccan Jews. They have, they're, they're born in Canada. They went to school in Canada. Their friends, mind you, for my own children, it's a little different since they went to a school, a Jewish day school. And this is also part of my own identity because going back to my religious upbringing, I didn't have much, to be quite honest. We had an old guy who knew, who must have been learned, but I didn't know much about uh, even to understand him. He taught me the Berachot to do my bar mitzvah and my brother. We did it together, my we have about a year difference. That's all I knew about being Jewish. When we went to live in Montreal, rather than go and live in a Jewish district, they didn't know even the, the Jayas or Hayas, which is the uh, society that helps immigrants, Jewish society. They sent us downtown Montreal to look for an apartment. They didn't send us to a Jewish district. So even schools, I didn't, I didn't. We went to, my father took us to school two three times a year. I would just, I mean, when I arrived, I even didn't say I was Moroccan and forget Sephardism because I learned. That I was a Sephardic, in contrast to the Ashkenazim in Montreal. In Morocco, we didn't uh, we didn't know what it was to be uh, Sephardic. We were Jews. That's all. We know we're Moroccan Jews. We were different from the Muslims. We were different from the Christians. But but uh, so you had the Muslims, the Arabs, you had the the, the Christians who were then. Mostly Spanish or Italians, some from France, and you had the Jews, the Toshavim who've been there for a generation, and uh, the Megorashim Hashim who came from Spain, coming back to your own question, why uh, why did I why was I interested? Well, uh, the question begs the answer because it was an issue of identity. It was an issue of creating my own roots in this country. And in order to know my roots, I remember uh, doing the movie I came up across a book written by an Israeli, Me, an Arab Jew. That was the title. And this was from 1970. He defined himself an Arab Jew. And this, uh, and this fitted to me perfectly, because very often I, I, I speak to people, um, we had at some point at the University of Montreal, a lot of people working in the university, not as professors, in, in services. And I spoke to many of them. They projected the fact that they were Jewish. Most of them didn't. And yet, starting as a student, all my way to my PhD, all my way till my, for my 40 years as a professor there, I always claimed high and, and strongly that I was Jewish. I think as I'm talking to you and as I was making some notes last night at one o'clock in the morning, I realized that my whole life was one way. To reintegrate my roots.
0: Thank you for listening. Reclaiming Identity is produced and edited by Moshe Singer and executive produced by Dalia Arusi and Dora Arusi. Our theme music is by Vanessa Paloma. Be sure to check her out on Spotify. Be a part of the reclamation. Subscribe to the Reclaiming Identity podcast on our website instituteofjewishexperience.org on our Facebook page, Spotify or Apple Music. Follow our programs on our website and the Institute of Jewish Experience channel on YouTube and please help support these and other ASF Institute of Jewish Experience efforts by donating today.